Welcome to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and I'm here to help you transition through your divorce with ease and integrity, to not only survive the challenges of your divorce, but to thrive as you come out the other side of it with a much better life than you ever hoped possible. On this show, we talk about many different aspects of divorce, interview women who have their own incredible divorce stories, or those who can offer some great advice as you go through yours. The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. Today's episode of the Do Divorce Right podcast is actually a recording of a micro-training that I have conducted with InSync Business Connections. Um, InSync Business Connections is a networking and collaboration space for Australian small business owners and entrepreneurs. So I ran this um, session on six powerful resilience techniques that are actually useful in any part of life. So obviously business, going through divorce, going through separation, any stressful period of life. So I am going to um, share this with you and I hope you enjoy. would love to hear your key takeaways. Okay, so I'm very, very pleased that you're here. Um, it looks like we're all grown-ups and there's no little children walking around, but I might swear every now and again. So if you do have kids that walk into the room, maybe put some earbuds on. I'm not a prolific swearer, but just a beautiful warning. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so thanks for coming along. Um, a little bit about my journey. So Sandra, you'd mentioned that I'm a relational intelligence consultant and most people are like, oh, what does that mean? It means that I work with, um, so I have a, a job as a consultant. I work with the leaders, um, CEOs and very senior leadership teams about having great client relationships. So my background was I came from country Victoria, grew up there, um, moved to the big bad smoke, 17 years old, and started a career in advertising. And I started as a secretary and worked my way up um, and was able to use that career to travel all around the world. I've lived in England, Scotland, Greece, Amsterdam, and Singapore. And along the way, I worked my way up from being a secretary to, um, to a, a media planner buyer, to being uh, the chief operations officer of um, a digital media agency across Southeast Asia. Most of my roles um, before going into that leadership position was always client servicing, right? So account management, I was a media planner buyer, but I was managing teams and managing client relationships. So I became a global account director, the client servicing director for a big, big team. And then five years ago, I pivoted from that being in the advertising world to being a consultant to the advertising world and really teaching them the frameworks, the tools and techniques on how do you have you know, enduring, profitable, fabulous client relationships so that there's great work, highly motivated teams, you know, good money being made. And um, so I've been doing that for five years all across Asia. So I was living in Singapore for a very long time and and that's my patch, right? I know Japan, China, India, all across Asia. So I still do that role now, but um, because of COVID, it became quite difficult to stay living in Singapore and our family moved to Perth, which is the same time zone as Singapore. And we'd never been here before and just thought, well, let's give this a go. Um, and 
And being here has been awesome, but I also decided I was after something a little bit more and I decided to set up my own business. And that business is being a divorce coach. So I set up Do Divorce Right last year and I used so much of the frameworks um, that I use in my corporate consulting uh, and coaching that I do in the corporate world into, you know, people who are going through pretty traumatic divorces, which, of course, I have experience in that as well. So that's a little bit about my journey. Um, my goal for today's session is to give you some really powerful but practical and simple techniques to help you build resilience as a business owner and entrepreneur because so much of what we do requires us to do it for ourselves. You know, you don't have a manager to to provide some advice. You don't necessarily have, you know, a colleague to bounce ideas off. You're going to have to find those resilience or those coping mechanisms yourself and uh, you know I'm learning for my for the first time I guess building a business is tough this is the first time I've had to do it so I've only got a year of experience but I, I've worked with business owners of course and this is relevant to you if you've been getting through but you sometimes struggle I am confident that you will take something out of today that you'll be able to use immediately um, if not today, then certainly in the, in the next couple of weeks. It'll be useful for you if you sometimes feel like your to-do list is out of control. Sandra, we were just talking about that a moment ago. It's like, there's just so much. You know, it's the 18th of January already and we're supposed to have gotten things done by now. So, you know, let's let's find some calm in that. I'll give you some techniques and tools around, around that. Um, if you are ever familiar with that feeling of overwhelm, there's just too much to do. There's something for you to take away. And if, if this one's this one's quite, really quite interesting, you know, if you sometimes find yourself getting annoyed or short-tempered and that's out of character for you, that's often a sign that you are feeling out of control. You're feeling overwhelmed. So you need to bring it back, look after yourself and apply some of these learnings. So what I want from you is to go from crazy to calm and control and, in you know, in uh, in control of everything. The truth is, in moments of high stress, and that's, you know, people that I work with in the divorce space, emotional regulation can take time and practice. It's not a one and done. But what I'm going to share with you, these six powerful techniques, you can use them straight away if you're feeling triggered, overwhelmed, swamped, or whatever. And perhaps you already have some techniques, and perhaps you already know one or two of these. I have a colleague who... Um, puts on headphones and just blasts EDM music and, you know, just powers out his to-do list. That's his go-to. I have a girlfriend, when she's feeling overwhelmed, she will take off her shoes, go outside and walk in grass, even on gravel. It doesn't matter. She just needs to connect to the earth again and find a way to re-literally ground herself. That's her go-to. We all have go-tos, but it never hurts to build your arsenal of tools that work. So let's jump straight in. Any questions about who I am, my background, why I'm here before I kick straight into these techniques? No, I'm just seeing heads shaking. Great. Okay. This first one you might have heard already. My client, my coaching clients find this is a really great go-to because it can be done anywhere, even a divorce court. It's super discreet. Navy SEALs even use this technique to calm themselves in really highly stressful situations. And yes, that is me kind of comparing a nasty ex-husband with a terrorist attack or, um, you know, dealing with your worst client. 
maybe they're your terrorist attack, but, you know, let's move on from that analogy. Box breathing is, like I say, super simple. It works by distracting your mind from its natural fight or flight mode, right? It helps you move from a reactive state, something is happening and I need to react to it, to an active state. Something is happening and I can choose my response to it. So it helps you really take control and bring that back. It calms your nervous system immediately and literally decreases stress in your body. You know, those stress symptoms of talking too quickly, which is me right now. <laughs> um, sweating or, you know, heart palpitations, all of those physical stress symptoms can be calmed with this phenomenally simple technique. So let me walk you through it in case you haven't used this before. We're going to imagine this box in our mind. If you're, if you're not able to look at my screen when you're doing it, we're walking up from the bottom of the left hand square of the box. We're going to inhale and count to four. We're going to hold as we go across, hold our breath and count to four. Then we're going to go down and count for four, exhale. And then we're going to go across and hold our breath for four. So I'm just starting at that bottom. I'll go in, two, three, four, hold two, three, four, down, exhale, two, three, four, across, hold, two, three, four. It's as simple as that. So you're counting as you take your breath in for four seconds, you're holding your breath for four seconds, you're exhaling for four seconds, you're holding your breath for four seconds. If ever you find yourself emotionally hijacked, you know, you've got a refund request from a client who you've been arguing with or you know a difficult um collaborator is calling you on the phone and you know you know you have to take this call and it's a difficult conversation it's 16 seconds to just bring your body back to a calm place so try this breathing technique before you take any kind of stressful response um you can do it before responding to an incendiary email um, you can do it before meeting with a tricky client or standing up in front of an audience to speak or even entering a networking event. You know, that can be quite stressful. So just calm your body right the fluff back down. Um, another reason, another way in which this is very useful is if you're struggling to get to sleep or if you're struggling to stay asleep, you know, that whole that um, idea of counting sheep this is essentially counting sheep, but counting your breath up, across, down, across. So reducing anxiety. When it comes to reducing anxiety, don't underestimate the power of simplicity. Okay, so that's our first technique, box breathing. Super powerful. Navy SEALs use it. Like If that's not a, a um, testimonial, I don't know what is. The second technique is perhaps even simpler. Right, so this is just about, I'll, I'll give you the, the tool, it's the technique itself, but the reason this is so powerful is because sometimes we assume that something outside of us needs to change before change can occur. Either we need to be on holiday or, you know, we need to be sitting on this lovely spot and it's all calm outside, or the noise outside the house needs to stop, or the children need to have a better attitude towards something. Something out there needs to change before we can find 
the peace that we need. Um, you know, if, if only the stresses of every day were gone or we'd be able to cope if we weren't being so triggered by the situation or the person or our to-do list. I had a very high conflict divorce and this was one of the techniques that I would use when I had to go into the court. Um, I had to represent myself in court because financially it was just impossible to manage all of the, the lawyer's bill. So I'd go through the security system downstairs and even just thinking about it now, I've got this tension in my tummy reminding me of how freaking awful it was. But I'd go through the security system downstairs and I'd be calming myself, calming myself, just pretending I'm super confident, you know, I've got my shoulders back, I've got this. And I'd walk to the elevators from the ground floor up to where the courts were. And while I was in the elevator, it didn't matter if there was anyone else around me or not, I was able to use this technique and take some control. And that is really simple again. Your thumb will go like touch on each of the fingers like this. So your thumb to the first finger, pointer finger, it's just peace begins with me peace begins with me i don't need anything else to be different i can't control the outcome of today's situation but i can control how i approach it i can control my mindset it's you know empowering in fact it reminds our brains that we do have the ability to change something I'm changing my attitude. I'm changing my mindset. I can control my behaviours and my reactions. I can't control the fact that I have to be here. I can't be on holiday looking out at this beautiful, big, beautiful, peaceful lake, but I can bring the peace into me. Peace begins with me. So powerful, so empowering, super mm. simple and lovely. It's also one that I give to my children. You know, they've got their first day at a new school coming up. They are nervous as fluff. They, you know, don't even want to tell me how nervous they are. But I've, you know, just given, they don't even have to say it out loud just to be doing this and thinking it through. Nobody knows they're taking control of their situation. So taking control and having control, this leads beautifully into my next framework, which is a little bit more in depth um, for building resilience quickly. Some of you may have heard of this um, already, but it doesn't hurt to, to revisit. And I talk about it in a little bit more depth in episode one of my podcast, which is Do Divorce Right um, on all the podcasting places. So I, I spend a bit more time going into the detail if you wanted to revisit this one in, in particular. But um, it comes from Stephen Covey, who wrote the bestseller, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, it's it's such an old book that when I'm talking to young people now, I'm like, perhaps one of your mentors or your parent has passed it down to you. You know, perhaps you've got a dusty, you know, copy somewhere in, <laughs> in the library of your parents' home. But it's such a classic and such so worth revisiting. And this particular technique I use all the time in corporate world. Like it comes up more often than anything else, I think. It's called the circle of influence, and I'm going to draw your attention to these two circles here. So we've got this big one on the outside and this smaller one here. Think of it like an egg yolk, right? We've got the egg white and we've got the egg yolk. I'm focusing on these two circles. The first circle is the circle of concern, the larger circle, right? Stephen Covey, the author, he, he posits that we unintentionally focus a lot of our attention here. 
It's the things that we actually can't control or affect. These are concerns that are outside of our immediate influence, such as, you know, what if the global economy goes into full-blown recession? What if the real estate market reaches a new low? Or worse, what if interest rates continue to rise as they have every month in the last six, right? What if clients start asking for refunds? What if I don't see business growth this year? They're all legitimate concerns, right? You can usually see a structure in the narrative that you're telling yourself when when you're operating in the circle of concern. The structure is what if, insert the anxiety, what if, uh, you know, the... We don't reverse um, global climate change. Blah. Um, you know, if this happens, I'll never be able to feel confident about the children that I'm bringing into this world and, you know, the choices that we're making and you predict a negative future. Um, focusing here on this circle of concern actually doesn't serve us. We feel stressed, disempowered, anxious, and ultimately nothing changes because we can't ultimately control any of these things. As an individual, I can't change the global economy. As an individual, I can't affect, you know, a global change or a high impact change in recycling, you know, or, or ocean microplastics or any of these huge concerns. I'm not saying they're not worthy of thinking about. I'm just saying let's put them into our circle of concern. By consciously choosing then to focus elsewhere, which is on the things that we can readily affect and influence, we can begin to feel empowered, in control and confident. So let's choose to focus on our circle of influence. It might not feel it at times, but we can control our mindset, which is how we view the world. We can control our attitude, such as being respectful or you know, being kind, we can choose our response, we can choose our behaviours, we can choose our actions. These are all within our control. For example, I can't control whether my latest reel goes viral and brings in thousands of viewers and potential clients to my sphere, but I can be consistent, I can be authentic, I can work hard to provide value to, to people who might see the content that I create. All right, so I can control smaller and not control I can have influence in a much smaller way what's powerful about focusing on what we can influence is that when you focus on what you can influence your influence grows you start having an impact which increases your ability to have even more impact and even more impact so let's think about the concern of um the environment for example um I don't have any connections um, on any you know global scale that can affect positive change. But I can influence my home. I can choose to you know make purchases, I can choose my recycling, I can choose to reduce, reuse, recycle, I could choose to teach my children about our impact on the planet and minimize that as much as I can at home. Um, once I've done that, I might be able to influence my neighborhood. Or the school community. Let me let me give you a great example. She's a bit divisive, so not everybody loves this. But Greta Thunberg did not go from being a Swedish high school, a Swedish primary school student, or whatever she was, a school student, to the United Nations overnight. Right? She influenced her classroom. 
She focused on what she could influence. Then that influence in her classroom affected the school, which then affected the schools in the community and then the country. And she was having such a big impact that her influence grew, grew, grew to the point that she is now a global ambassador. She is someone that we all recognise is having an impact. Right? So if she was just focusing on her concern, she would never have affected the change that she's affected. She focused on what she could influence and her influence group. So I've, you know, when I talk to my divorce coaching clients, they're often in a bit of a disaster space, right? What if he takes all the money? What if he takes all my children? These are concerns and I have to bring them back. Okay, let's list out all of these concerns. Um, yes, they're legitimate concerns, but let's not focus on those. Let's focus on what you can influence. Let's focus on how you can behave. You know, let's focus on your, your attitude, your mindset. So super powerful. Uh, moving on to technique four. Any questions about the circle of control and influence? I mean, I can take Q&A at the end. So maybe just we can we can spend some time having a chat through. The fourth um technique again this is really useful it's, i call this 10 minutes in it 10 minutes a day this is particularly useful if one of those concerns is something you just can't take your mind off um again you know i, I work in the divorce space so let me give you an idea from there um it, it is super stressful <laughs> and sometimes you just can't stop thinking the what ifs what if that what if this happens and I went to a therapist because I wasn't coping. And I said to her, I'm exercising, I'm meditating, I'm eating well, I'm spending time with girlfriends, I'm taking long baths, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm working, I'm being the best mum I can be, I'm doing all the things, but I, I can't cope, I can't cope. Like, it's just, I'm struggling so hard. And she said um, a couple of things that were really useful. One, sometimes the only way out is through, right? I, I'm going to have to go through this before I get to the other side. And so I was doing all the right things. I know they weren't changing anything, but I, they were putting me in the best possible place to be able to get through that. The second thing she said was, I want you to deal with this issue in 10 minutes a day. It's like, huh. you know, I'm thinking about this all the time. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm distracted from client calls. I, I'm thinking about it all the time. She said, that's that's fine. Tell yourself, like block in your calendar 10 minutes when you're going to deal with those thoughts that are coming through. So eight o'clock at night, I'll sit outside with a gin and tonic and my fabulous partner and we will talk about the stresses of the day or the, the ideas that had come up about, you know, he's done this or what's going to happen if that. Sometimes the 10 minutes would turn into 30 or 40 minutes and he'd say, are we done? Like, are we, are we done now? But it meant that as these thoughts came and tried to hijack me as I was going about my day, I could say, it's all right, I'll deal with that at 8 o'clock. Every single hijack, it's okay, I'm going to deal with that later. And that took all of the pressure off having to deal with it now to knowing it's not going away, it will get dealt with, but it will get dealt with in the time that I've allotted. And that's extremely powerful <laughs> because telling yourself don't think about it doesn't help you to not think about it telling yourself i will deal with this at a time that it's useful allows your mind to clear yourself clear itself from that stress so i will deal with this in those 10 minutes um 
perhaps you can think of a business example, something that's been stressing you out that you 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 know you can't quite get your mind off. Um, allow yourself ten minutes a day. I will come back to it. I'll deal with that at ten o'clock tomorrow. I'll deal with that at ten o'clock tomorrow. I'll deal with that at ten o'clock tomorrow. Um, you know, you might want to write it down to make sure that you don't forget that particular thought. But, but it's done. You will be dealing with it. Okay. This that this one is kind of borrowing a little bit of that. It's where we're taking these techniques and and applying them moving forward. This one is less about resilience and a much more practical solution to overwhelm. So this is more of an organizational hack. Sandra, I think you'll like this one, <laughs> but definitely has the same end result, the same benefit of reducing overwhelm. It's the four Ds. Okay, so every Monday, I review my to do list and my calendar. And my to do, and I have a project management software, and I have notepads, and I have you know notes on my phone. So we all have to do lists coming out of our ears, right? But Monday mornings, even before um, before my day starts, so it typically happens about seven o'clock in the morning. I sit down. I need to estimate the amount of time each of my tasks is going to take, and I need to plot it into my calendar. Usually, it doesn't fit, right? Usually, I have more to do than I have. To time to do it. So I need to look at the four Ds. The first D is delete. What is on your list that doesn't really need to get done? Doesn't really need to get done. Perhaps you're carrying over a task from last week or from last year that's actually inconsequential. You know, perhaps um, it's I'd like to clean my study. Sure, take it off the to-do list, like come to it when it's more important to you. Just take it off your to-do list. It's not helping. So review your task list. Will it really propel me forward towards my goal? Does it actually add value to my clients or am I procrastinating? Am I adding shit to my list that I don't need to do just because it feels good to have a longer to-do list? That's, I don't know if anyone is a bit like me who writes a to-do list to be able to strike them off because then you feel more productive. Sometimes I put on tasks that I've already finished so that I can strike it off and wee, yay me. <laughs> Points, I got stuff done. Um, you know, an example of something that might be on your to-do list that you could delete would be you want to watch a YouTube video tutorial about something you'd like to learn. Does it need to be done? Does it really need to be done? It's the kind of thing you can come back to another time. Take it off your to-do list unless you absolutely need that skill right here, right now. The second D, this is one of my favourites, delegate. I don't have a team of people. So I am a consultant across all of Asia for all of these advertising agencies. I'm busy as fluff. I've um, you know, got my side hustle, my divorce coaching. I'm busy. I don't, you know, we've all got spinning plates. And as most of us are women, we tend to want to spin those plates we kind of feel like we're the only person who can sort it out well i call bullshit we are not the only person who can sort it out i happily delegate to my gorgeous partner my very capable children my virtual assistant who is a godsend um but even to my mum my mum's retired she's 75 years old she's now a widow widow and this morning like literally half an hour before this call it's only 8 30 where I am so 7 30 this morning I reached out to my mum and I asked her if she would mind reviewing pet insurance options because my pet insurance is coming up and I'd like another option 
Like I could do that. I could get on the phone and do the internet like researching. I, do, I really don't want to. And my mum loves the idea of feeling helpful. So she's, yeah, sure, I can do that. It's raining here today, so I can't do what I was going to do. I'll make the phone calls for you. She's grateful to feel needle, needed. I'm grateful because I don't have to do that. What a horrible job. Um, my children, they can cycle to the store to get groceries for me, and they don't mind. They happily do it. Sometimes I'll reward them, like, pick yourself up an ice cream while you're there or, you know, just get out of your room, go cycling, do the thing that needs to be done. My partner can hang laundry. Don't be an asshole about it, obviously, but it's quite okay to ask for help. And you're often helping the other person too. Like asking my mum to review pet insurance is taking a shitty job off my to-do list, but she's also getting something out of it. Isn't that lovely that, you know, she feels needed and helpful? Mm. So... I'm a big fan of the delegate. Find ways in which you can delegate what's on your to-do list, um, big, small, or otherwise. A lot of what's on our to-do list is a bit of a wish list, right? I wish I could achieve so much in a working week. It is Wednesday already. <laughs> that freaks me out. I've put things in my calendar that I haven't gotten around to yet because I wish I'd been able to achieve all of the things. So if you're struggling with overwhelm, it's really important to find focus and work on what is most important. So ask yourself, right, this Monday morning, you're plotting out your calendar, what can wait until next week or later? If you're suffering from overwhelm, this is a great question to ask yourself. What can be done on the weekend rather than now? How do I find space for this? Plot it in your calendar so you know the task isn't just disappearing. Remember I said about the 10 minutes a day, this is this is pushing the intellectual load to a time when you know you can deal with it. The task isn't disappearing. You have time allocated to it. It will get done. It's just not in your highest interest right now. So we've deleted, we've delegated, we've delayed. The final D, I'm afraid, is just do it. So a business girlfriend checked in with me yesterday. Right? She asked about my progress on the book that I'm writing and it's not going as well as I would have liked. You know, it was supposed to be completed on holiday. <laughs> Does anyone else set themselves unrealistic holiday expectations, right? I always take maybe four or five books with me on holiday as if I, as if I become a super reader overnight. I don't. I carry the four or five books home and they get back onto my bedside table. Anywho, so this business bestie, she asked me how my book was going and I said, look, I'm trying to be a bit gentle with myself and I'm hoping inspiration will come knocking. Her response was, hmm, gentle is good, but in my experience, inspiration doesn't come knocking. You know, I, she said, literally, I usually give myself time to breathe, then I force myself to get into gear. Then after a little bit of productivity, the motivation comes. And she's right. She's It's not what I wanted to hear, <laughs> but she's right. I just need to get on and do it. No more procrastinating today. I don't know if you've all got your procrastinating things, procrastinating delegating or procrastinating is, is one of mine. So none of that today. today. I just need to do it. So there are your four, um, the four Ds on a Monday morning. If you're, if you're suffering from overwhelm, look at your to-do list and sort it out, sort your calendar out. So moving on to the final strategy, and this is something that I coach my corporate clients on regularly when I hear them having a crisis of confidence. And it's something 
I believe we are all needing more in the small business world than we are in the corporate world. Because like I said, we don't have a manager to go to. We don't have a colleague to bounce ideas off. We all suffer from imposter syndrome or we hit our upper limit, which is who am I to deserve this success? Who am I to have an ease, a life that is filled with ease and abundance? Like, Surely someone's going to come knocking and take it all away. And then we self-sabotage ourselves, right? So we're enjoying uh, business success. We're, in, we're enjoying life. Then we have a bit of a crisis of confidence and we think, oh, but I can't do that. I, can, I need a bit of a pep talk. Yes, we've got business buddies, but this is even better than that. I want us all to have a pitch folder. Now, this isn't I'm pitching to somebody else. This is I'm pitching to me. I want you to collect all of the evidence that you're fucking fabulous. Testimonials from um, your clients, compliments from your friends. What is your What do your friends say about you? My mum is my biggest fan. So if ever I'm having a bit of a crisis of confidence, I think, what would my mum say? <laughs> you tell me I'm this and this and this. Um, put... Um, you know, whenever you've been in the news, whenever like money that you've made, awards that you might have made, everything, just a big long list of I'm fucking fabulous. I am remarkable. Some people put the testimonials on the wall or computer near where they work. So they're reminded of why do I do what I do? I do what I do because it makes a difference. But more than that, it it builds up your confidence to keep going, keep going. You are having making a difference. You are um, making an impact. In the corporate world, I tell people to create an email folder. So any thank you from a client, any compliment that comes through, it goes into a private pitch folder. So if ever they're having a shitty day or just think, well, what am I doing? Like I'm butting my head against a wall. This is rubbish. They open that up and they read through all the thank yous, all the compliments, all the, oh gosh, I so appreciate that you went above and beyond, blah, blah, blah. So what does that look like for you? You might want to put some of those compliments on a vision board. You might want to stick them near near where you work. You might want it to be like literally a folder that you go to and, and open up to re-inspire you and reinvigorate you. But please have one. Don't forget all of the news. Capture them. You know, you're, the more you pay attention to them, the more you will see. It's a bit like money tracking and, you know, abundance collecting. If you notice that abundance is coming your way, more of it will come. So notice those compliments. Hold yourself. Hold how fabulous you are. So those six techniques that I've talked you through, just a, a reminder, the box breathing, the peace begins with me, the circle of concern and the circle of influence, 10 minutes a day. So giving yourself 10 minutes a day to, to think about and rumorate, rumor, whatever that word is, on um, the issue that's, that's distracting you and, um, you know, hijacking you. That wonderful organizational hack around delete, delegate, delay, and do. And then finally having a pitch folder. My final word before I have a Q&A is a, a friendly reminder that you're running a business and it's perfectly acceptable that people can't always get an immediate response from you. Have boundaries. Be aware of what is unacceptable. Normalize saying no. Do what is best for you and know that it's not your responsibility to sacrifice yourself to others. 
when I moved from the agency world to being a consultant, I really had to retrain my behavior here. I had to remind myself that what I do is not life and death. Nobody needs to hear from me immediately. I'm a consultant now, right? <laughs> They'll hear from me in my own precious time. <laughs> it's so wonderful. But the same is true as a divorce coach, right? My clients are often in a state of high tension and they're going through a trauma. So I want to respond. I want to give them the reassurance that they need. I want to like talk them off the ledge. But I'm a coach, not a surgeon. I can support and guide them, but I can't take their pain away. And I have to remind myself that immediate access to me doesn't actually change their pain. It doesn't change their experience. Um, another, in case you're in you know, the space where you're dealing with people who feel like they need access to you immediately, it might be helpful to remind yourself that when people are at their worst or at the lowest point, is when they learn the most. And somebody said to me a few years ago, don't rob them of that low. Because if you, you know, if someone's falling, 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 they, you've, got to, you've got to hit rock bottom before you really learn and change and, and affect change. If you're stopping that person from hitting rock bottom and bringing them back up again, they're going to fall, bringing them back up, bringing them back up. You're not allowing them to hit rock bottom to have that fundamental change. So don't rob someone of it. You can provide guidance, you can provide your support, but you don't need to be, you know, stopping people from, from learning from themselves, for themselves. I know that felt a little bit deep, a little bit lifey, but it's true in business as well, right? If, if you're not around, will they figure it out for themselves maybe? Give them some time, you know, don't, don't rob them of that opportunity to figure it out for themselves. Thank you. I'm going to stop sharing my screen. And um, if we've got any thoughts or questions, I'm open to hearing them. That was really, really awesome. Thank you, Becca. I really like some some of those things I'd heard before, but you you explained it in a different way, which made it sort of, I don't know, easier to connect with. So that's, okay. that's lovely. Um, what I often, and I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on this because I get quite a lot. Uh, my clients are like, well, I don't know, like it's overwhelming. What's the, what's my first step? Like a lot of people get caught up in the how, how do I do mm. this? And, and the, some of these things will help with that as well, um, with the grounding and helping them. But then in terms of what, how do you approach people? And they say, well, how do I do this? Or how do I take what's done? How do I know what to do next? Yeah, I think as a coach, often we're trying to help them figure out the answer for themselves, aren't we? Like as a consultant, I can tell them. <laughs> and as a mentor, yeah. I want to guide them. Yeah, they're, as they're a paying coach, you for that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as a coach, I, I try and ask them a lot of questions about well, what do you think needs to be done first? Hmm. What what would make you feel better? What What's one step that you think would head you in the direction you need to go? And just ask them questions around that to make make them figure it out themselves not not because you don't want to help them not but usually we don't know what the answer is for them there's no one step solution so alpha for those of you who don't know alpha she's a guide in money right so people come to alpha to learn about how to unravel their well alpha you can explain what you do but she's a coach in the money space um so people might be coming to you feeling really overwhelmed about trying to create some wealth and you know they'll come to you with debt and 
not knowing what the next step is, but often they really do know what the first step should be. Yeah. Well, this is what I love because this is why we connected so well as well because it's very much about self-empowerment and a lot of the time people just don't trust. They know exactly what they need to do. They've just never learned to trust it. Yeah. So exactly like you were saying that with the delegation, allowing someone to you show kind of trust in them, which kind of gives them permission to trust themselves that you trust them. And then also saying, you know, with the boundaries too, you know, you can, you're, you don't have to do everything for people or you don't have to be there because to be honest, I've, I've done this with my, my dad used to call me almost daily with a problem. And now I wait. And by the time I call him back the next day, he's like, oh, I figured it out. And I was like, yeah, see, there you go. So much better now. You've resolved your own problem. <laughs> and I didn't do that with my daughter a little bit as well. Um, but, yeah, so, no, that's, yeah, love it. Thank you. Okay, sir. did you have a question? No, I, I didn't have a question. I was really disagreeing with Alpha because when, particularly when she used the word empowerment, that's my objective with my clients is to give them information and go, okay, what are you going to do with this now? Um, so that they can gain that self-confidence because it doesn't happen otherwise. That's right. It doesn't happen otherwise. And it's a muscle to be exercised, isn't it? Actually, I think I like what you just said, a muscle that needs to be exercised. I think most people would certainly relate to that. When you think about our world, there's so, so much information, so many rules, so many things that are given to us that we just, we just follow without really thinking about it. So we lose the ability to either listen to and then trust our intuition. Um, and not even just the intuition, like just like logical things and logical steps that we, we can take to do things. Um, and we question ourselves because someone else hasn't validated it. You don't need someone else to validate it. Yeah. It's um, a lot of the time when it's inner work, sometimes with other things, you know, you're like, okay, you need some genuine investment advice. If you don't have the knowledge to go with it, then you can't make the decisions. But for a lot of the time, at least, you know, the directional kind of things and what feels right, even once you have the knowledge, because just because you know it doesn't necessarily mean it is right for you. It's like dieting. We know that the chocolate bar is not going to help. Having ice cream at the end of the day, that's not going to help. We we know. (laughs) We know more than we think we know. Yeah, Lee, did you have a question or comment? I know that you've just come up. I just want to say thank you. That was that was great. When I read the um, title about having control, I thought we have control over nothing in the way of external. So I was thinking, oh, I'm just going to teach us about it, controlling the external things around us because that's almost impossible. <laughs> so it was nice that it was the internal control, which. Um, I, you know, I practice uh, meditation, breathing, and things for lots of years. Um, and yes, yeah, I mean, life's a challenge. So we need all of those tools, which is great. Um, and it was just nice to have it in a little system. Mm-hmm. I just, I've written everything down, and it's just nice to have a go to when those things crop up. Um, so yeah, and I'm learning. I've only been in business for a year and a half. Um, I was working for corporate companies in the city, mainly doctors and lawyers. So now I'm primarily teaching people how to do bookkeeping or I'm doing their books. Right. So I'm delegating um, my work to doing tutorials to teach micro-businesses how to look after their own books, especially right. the ones that, you know, they can't afford a bookkeeper straight up. So that that's, you know, I'm delegating that out to, so, to teach them 
from the start and I can overview things for them. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a learning curve going into my own business and seeing what's out there you. in the way of books. <laughs> it's pretty tragic actually sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah, but no, that it's great to have that and sometimes overwhelm comes, sometimes you've got, but I've delegated all my life in, in, in business and I love training people. Some people like to hoard their work and they've got more control because they know that part and nobody else knows it. Yeah. I'm the opposite. Learn, <laughs> learn, learn. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you can have a holiday. Yeah. So otherwise you can't. <laughs> Too many exactly. people are relying on you. I find uh, even a lot of really high-powered business women tend to hold on to a lot of the home stuff because we're programmed to believe we're supposed to be doing it. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't need to. Like, if if my children can load and unload a dishwasher, they can do laundry. Like, they can clean stuff. I I don't need to be doing any of that. I pay yeah. the bills. Like, uh, mama's. But the important things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that delegation is, is really good and important. And, um, yeah, there was just lots of really good things in there. I don't really have any questions. Sorry. <laughs> Great. No, that's fine. I'm pleased it was useful. I was going to yeah. say, Benka, with the with delegating to children, it also helps them become more responsible adults and more self-sufficient adults, you know. The ones that tend to be babied and spoilt as children have a much harder time when mm. they go into adulthood. They go, oh my God, what do you mean I have to go and buy grocery groceries? Yeah. I thought they just yeah. magically appeared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pantry exactly. isn't yeah. full, Mum. Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> yeah. Um I'm going to stop the recording in a sec, but I wanted to say thank you so much for that. That was absolutely awesome. Um, you know, and I've written down lots of notes and I love this um, piece. Beginning yes. with me. You know, mm. the pitch folder I think is awesome. I, I really like that. I used to have an email um, folder at work where you would put things mostly so that you could bring it up at your performance review. Review, exactly. <laughs> see how good I am but you know I hadn't thought about it from a small business perspective and the um 10 minutes a day I love that one as well because you know you've constantly got those ideas going on in your head and I, I'm, yeah. I know I do and I'm like oh I could be doing this and I'm and then it stops the focus from what I'm working on which is actually the really important stuff you know but because I'm forward thinking and forward You're being thinking. hijacked. Yeah, being yeah. hijacked. So, yeah. Mm. So um, thank you so much. Did, do you want this on the recording, Panayota? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reason being, uh, it reminded me, Becca, you suggested when we were talking about the 10 minutes or when you were explaining it that you would use those 10 minutes um, and the example was um, 8 p.m. Uh, every night and mm -hmm. you would have a chat with your partner. But what do you suggest for people who don't have anyone in their living space or workspace? Like if you're working from home and you live alone, I can talk to my cat, but the likelihood of her <laughs> minimal. Well, the, the so point is not to talk it out loud with anybody. That's that's kind of not the point. But but for us, it was a shared experience, right? Okay. Um, but the point is that you are stopping the hijack from whatever is stressing you and saying, it's okay, I've got you. I'm going to okay. talk about you. I'm going to address you at 5 p.m. 
okay. right? So rather than you, you haven't looked into that, that flight refund, you haven't looked into that flight refund, that thing that you need to do, that thing, it's, it's okay. I've put it in my diary. 5 p.m. I'm going to deal with that. And then you don't get hijacked by that thought anymore. Um, so it's not about a conversation necessarily. It's about, sure. yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, so you're training the brain away from that thought. Exactly. Thank and if you. you don't have someone to talk sure. something through, I suppose you could always use journaling or, you know, writing things down, which yeah. can get it out of your head because I think that's where we have a lot of our Beautiful. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. inside of our head. And then once you start to say it to someone or write it, you're like, it just brings it more into perspective. Absolutely. I just want to Gorgeous say I love that last bit too, Becca, about um, not having to get back to someone immediately. I'm I'm a little bit OCD with that, getting back to people straight away, and you know, like <laughs> yeah, having that responsibility of 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 everyone else's concerns as well. So just you know, and and allowing people to have their own lessons. It was a, that was a really good point. You know, like not trying to save people. You know. Just yeah. to, yeah, try and allow We learn them. more from our mistakes than our successes, right? That's so it's right. quite okay yeah. that they make a mistake every now and again. Mm. Um, I have to train myself on that a lot, you know, dealing yeah. with people who are in the middle of what feels traumatic. It is a trauma. Mm. And I want to stop them. Like I'm a, I'm a Enneagram number two. I'm a helper. I, I want to nurture people through it. And I have to stop and just give them some space. Yeah. I have yeah. to work on that. Yeah. Plugs are good if you need to, you know, allow them to go through things, but there's a hug there. Yeah, that's nice. Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.